Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hanson, and the next in our series of guests, here to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, Stone's team, the hometown kid, gets to talk about his hometown team of the in Los Angeles, LA, Orange County, you know, the whole the whole nine, I could spend forever. love that town. Uh, don't always love the Lakers, but this year, I thought they were hella fun. And there's no one else we'd want to bring on to talk about the Lakers than, I think the person who might be leading for all-time guest appearances on the pod, <laughs> Corbin Ford. He's at Corbin NBA. He hosts the Round Ball Ramble. He contributes for Switch Theory, Sports Ethos, the lead SM. He's the busiest man I know. Also, one of the kindest, one of the nicest, one of the funniest, one of the best guys on Twitter. Corbin, my friend, how you doing? Oh, my gosh. Brought me to tears almost in that intro, Bryce. Um, listen, <laughs> I thank you for that. Wow, that was that was a Hollywood ending kind of story. But, I try. Um, I try. Like, I, like I'm, I'm out here trying to, like, I'm trying to hype everyone up. They got You got to feel good to be on Upside Swings. You got to be in a good oh, mood. Oh, yes. You my guys. Y'all my guys. Y'all already know. So, I'm doing great. Like you said, you know, Bryce, Stone, to Lakers, like, this is this is good. Life is good right now. Well, life was not good for you as someone living in Denver, <laughs> watching them lose to the Denver Nuggets. But before we get into that, Stone, how are you feeling? Are you going to be just like completely miserable on this pod talking about your team? No, because I get to talk with Corbin. Um, so I get Aww. to I get to uh, have talk about my favorite team with one of my favorite people. Um even though I have the, uh, I'm probably a bigger Lakers hater than most Celtics fans because <laughs> I get so frustrated, but I'm excited to talk about everything. Stone, despite rooting for comfortably the best team out of Coop and I, the team with the most storied history, is easily the biggest doomer about his franchise and where they're going. Um, I find that hilarious. But let's talk about it. The Lakers had, I would say, an up and down season. They weren't the, like, out of the playoffs for a long stretch of the season. It looked like they were not going to make it. They do a complete roster overhaul in in uh, at the trade deadline, which was very reminiscent of when the 2018 Cavs did a complete roster overhaul and uh, traded for, like, Rodney Hood and guys like <laughs> that. Um, shout out Rodney Hood. Um, and then they kind of – things kind of got better. It turns out when you surround, you know – two of the best players of this generation with like competent talent, they can be really good. And they had their moments this year. They got to the seven seed. They won the playing game. They comfortably took care of Memphis in the first round. They beat the, the warriors in six. And then Nikola Jokic happened. And it just felt like the team had no answers defensively or offensively. Nothing could get going. Corbin, how would you describe the Lakers season as a whole? Oh, man. I mean, listen, I definitely consider myself one of the more, like, optimal slash, like, semi-delusional Laker fans out there. And, like, it was a roller coaster. It most certainly was. I Let me just tell you all this to begin with. Like, when the season started, you know, you put out predictions on Twitter and everything to kind of, you know, keep yourself honest or whatever. And I was the king of, like, putting a name there and they're going, why not? So I had, like, Anthony Davis, MVP, because why not? And Darvin Ham, Coach of the Year, because it was really dumb. Um, And a lot of it backfired. And then 2-10 and ten happened. The 3% chance of the playoffs happened. I was really feeling kind of down. I was like, okay, you know what? We're just going to spend the rest of this year rooting for uh, Russell Westbrook to win, MV- to win um, six man of the year, not MVP, Joe Lord. And um, that wasn't great. You know, it was it – was, the team just wasn't – it wasn't a very well-constructed team. I think we all knew this kind of going into the season. Um. And it kind of bared itself out, right? Um, and then I said, you know what? It's going to be fine. Like, trade deadline, things are going to happen, and legs are going to be great. And the reason I said this is because, like, let's be real. They had to be. You have, like, 80 at this point, but putting up some really good months. I think December and January were great before he went down. LeBron James, obviously, was still playing, you know, very high basketball. And I'm like, if you're Rob Palenka, like, you got pressure on you right now. Like, there's no way these two are playing absolutely, like, out of their mind and you are, like, nowhere near the playoffs. And so then, you know, like you said, who who would have thought that, um you know, a more decent roster construction around guys like LeBron and AD would help the Lakers take off? But that they did. And 
they they were great. I love the additions like as they happen. I definitely probably overcompensated and gave Palinka a lot more praise because I didn't see those rabbits being pulled out of that hat. I'm like, okay, if you can get like three of these, like one of these boxes, that's great. And all three were checked out in terms of shooting, you know, additional uh, defensive versatility, some additional size. It all worked out well. And then, man, you couldn't tell me anything. Like I was insufferable, you know, March and April. I was like, listen, you know, Lakers, we're getting the playoffs. Like that's, that's, the, we're getting, that's fine. Like playing game, we got that. Memphis, who's that? You know, like whoop that trick, you know? Um, and then after that, I was like, Golden State, we have them too. And I was on a high up until Denver. Then I really got delusional and I had Ron Guterman and we were talking and I was like yeah I had Lakers in six and honestly it'd be like closer to Lakers in five he's like I actually have the Nuggets I was like what like are you even looking at this I'm like it's like 2020 all over again which like seriously in retrospect was hilarious um and I'm like the Lakers are a better team well also the Nuggets were a better team and I think that's kind of where they uh met their match in just absolute buzzsaw fashion um definitely a competitive sweep but a sweep nonetheless um but yeah all in all listen that was just describing my emotions over the last like six months like it was up and down the best of times the worst of times but all in all you know you want it a winner championship with this team that you have with these two guys at the head of the snake that are kind of in their prime. And in some cases, like LeBron, like definitely toward the end of it, but somehow still keeping that door halfway open, which is insane. Um, but at the other end, if you look at, okay, mission not accomplished, but like they got a lot closer than they were supposed to come the beginning of the year. So I feel okay about it. That's my big spiel on that. Yeah. And stone, I want to throw this to you as the, as the doomer of this pod, how do you how like do you think this team still has a championship window or do you think I mean next year LeBron is going to be what 39 you know AD this was the healthiest season AD has had since 2020 do you think this was it do you think this was their last shot and they just kind of blew it I don't think it was their last shot but it's not possible to do it again even if we just retain the guys that we we had this season in my opinion I don't think you could bank on Anthony Davis staying that healthy for next season. You could certainly hope for it, but you can't bank on it. Um, the LeBron, to me, obviously the foot was a concern for a lot of people in the playoffs. Uh, he did not look as explosive. Obviously, the last game he looked really good. Uh, but throughout the playoffs, he just didn't look as explosive as he has in the past. Um, and to me, it was sort of a... Um, a sign that the Lakers it's like, okay, if LeBron's like not playing like peak LeBron, do the Lakers have somebody that can really pick up that slack? Like do what do the Lakers have an infrastructure of what to do if LeBron isn't going to be, you know, the, the typical LeBron we all think of. Um, and the other thing is like when he said he's retiring, um, which I don't, I don't think most people buy and I don't really either, but um, or that he was considering it, I guess I should say. Um, it was a real wake-up call, I think, or should have been a wake-up call for a lot of people as to do the Lakers have an infrastructure of a plan B? Like, what if LeBron, what do we do when LeBron leaves? Um, I, I think, to me, that's the biggest question that came out of this is what do we do after these two guys? Uh, because D'Angelo Russell had a really good Warriors series, um, he was pretty much unplayable in the Nugget series, but we just had to play them him because we didn't really have anybody else. Um, I I love Vanderbilt, but there's definitely matchup situational matchups where he's not as effective. Uh, Reeves I thought deserves the bunch of money we're probably gonna have to pay him this summer. Um, and Rui really impressed me. Uh, I, I've not been a Rui fan in the past. I wasn't a fan of his pre-draft, but it looked like he really turned a corner as like a help defender, um, became, you know, really proficient as a scorer for us. Um, so those two guys stood out to me and, and Vanderbilt, especially for the money he's getting paid are really the key guys, I think. But every year teams get better. Um, the best teams figure out how to get better and, and continue contending um, and if the Lakers continue just doing what they did last year, I think we're going to end up falling behind. So for me, that's that's the way I'm sort of viewing this. Yeah, and we'll talk about some some trade options and and guys like that in a minute. But I do want to start with that Austin Reese free agency. So I I try to understand 
what some of this stuff means. But I, I, I will say I'm kind of a dumb dummy when it comes to cap stuff. So Austin Reeves will have a qualifying offer for, um, you know, two million. Basically, obviously, he's worth more than that. But basically, that means he's a restricted free agent. But he is arenas limited, which means that the Lakers can't give him more than a certain amount. I can't remember exactly what that is, but I think they can match up to any amount so long as it's not like like because I don't think he can get the max even from another team. It's it's weird. Like it's a weird rule that I hope goes away because it just hurts these second round draft picks more than anything. But I just kind of want to ask in general, Corbin, do you think Austin Reeves will be back next year? Yeah, I I do. I mean, I think that you have one credit again to the, I mean, some of it's like a scouting, some of it's Austin Reeves, like, you know, making the situation that he like ultimately thrived in. Right. But um, he's, he's a, a success story for them. He's a success story for the organization. He's really improved. Like the development has been great for him, um, especially this year in more breakout role, especially after the trade deadline, we became like basically a full-time starter. Right. You saw his ability to play alongside LeBron. That's been established for two years now, but his ability to swing between, you know, both guard spots, um, kind of amp up the level of offensive aggression that he has, you know, um, the ability to get to the free throw line at a high rate. And whether that's some of that's like just, you know, Laker grifting or whatever the case may be, I think it's just actual decent craft there. Um, but like all of that, yeah, I, I think you don't really, I don't want to say you don't have a choice. Like obviously, you know, money has been an issue for the Lakers in the past. Um, they've made unpopular decisions the last couple of years in the spirit of financial flexibility or really just ducking the tax, right? Um, <clears throat> but I don't see it. I think that they have the option to retain him, and he is a good fit for what the Lakers are trying to currently do. And again, referencing that window, like, he is a part of it in terms of being able to contribute now and potentially in the future. He's 25. Like, that's pretty good for basketball age, right? Um, so yeah, I, I I think I think they're in a position where, yeah, they, they, he's, he's coming back in my mind. I think that's absolutely fair. And Stone, I do want to ask you really fast, like, do you think we've seen the best from Austin Reeves or do you think there's still like some improvement to be had in this game? Uh, I definitely think there's some improvement to be had, um, even though he's 25. It's, it's not like, you know, the developmental curve uh, is, is exponential with him. But I do think that there's areas um, that this was his first playoffs, too. So I think you learn a lot as a player going through that. Um, I think defensively, there are times where he he showed he was really solid. And there's other times where I think he can improve as an on ball type guy. Uh, then I also think the the ball handling is something that developed throughout the season. And I think. Um, could continue to develop into next year. I think it's something he's he's been working on, uh, and there's still more work to do, but I think that I'm optimistic just based on the improvement I saw this year that it, that can continue. Yeah, I think I think that's all that's all a great point. Let's talk about some trade targets because there it's definitely an option. I mean, so D'Angelo Russell is a free agent. Uh, he he does have bird rights, so I I believe like they could just offer him the max. I, I'm not always confident on how that stuff works, but I, I believe that's like possible. Um, obviously, Rui Hachimura, also a free agent. He's a restricted free agent. Corbin, do you think like this team is just going to be kind of run back with, with you know, bring those guys back, bring Austin Reeves back, be, bring Lonnie Walker back as well? Or do you think we're going to see some, some more significant shakeups? And if it is through something like a trade, what does that look like or who are some targets you'd be interested in oh yeah i mean i'm torn on this because like personally i wouldn't mind them running it back i i, I definitely feel a little optimistic about the chance of having a team that did gel you know in, in limited time might add right um with a little bit of learning how to play with each other you know an actual game plan that fits them like after a full training camp um some continuity for these players that were just added to this team and really some continuity for these Lakers squad. Like LeBron and AD have had like a rotating like cast of characters over the last couple of years since they won their championship, right? Went from 2020, you had that defensive kind of mentality with LeBron and AD kind of running the offensive ship. 2021, we put more offense in, you know, get Marcus All and Montres Harrell and, you know, um, Dennis Schroeder and kind of make that happen. 2022, I mean, you know, overcompensate there, disaster, you know, going to take away all your depth, bring in Russell Westbrook and, you know, a bunch of shooters and guys who can't defend and are on their way out the league and, you know, that sort of thing. So it's been like a different set of teammates every year. Like, I think it's important to have some continuity. And I think you see a team, and mind you, it's not a perfect comparison, but like the Nuggets have had like continuity. And then they added 
impactful pieces to that core and then they built off of that you know it's always been like Jokic and Jamal Murray and then of course Michael Porter Jr and then you got Aaron Gordon and then KCP and Bruce Brown like you build off of that I'm not saying Lakers are doing the exact same thing but it'd be nice to have some level of continuity there I just think that stands for something um with that being said like realistically I think like Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura are like probably top tier on the Lakers targets like retain um both are but in the right age range, you know, both have shown um, that they can contribute right away um, in terms of being good fits alongside LeBron AD and having breakout games in several of them in their first playoffs, like in general, like separately. So I think you you definitely are looking to bring those two players back. Um, D'Lo's interesting. I don't know if it's like a marriage of convenience. I loved D'Lo's return to the Lakers. I thought it was fun. Uh, I did not love uh, the conference finals. Um, but like, he's a guy who, I don't know, like he, I think in my mind, like he is what he is. I mean, he's, you, you're just kind of trying to figure out what that price is and what the market is for him. He's looking apparently for like 30 mil. That's not happening, right? But like, he's also not going to get paid five mil, you know? So it's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20, um, which is it nothing. But at the same time, like, does he fit? I mean, at his best, I thought he was really good at like running the offense alongside LeBron or, or awful LeBron, his shooting was fine. On the other end, we know his ability to create his own shot kind of depends on the defender. Um, we know that his defense is, well, what his defense is. Um, and like he can disappear. I mean, we've seen that. We saw that in Minnesota. We saw that, you know, when Jamal Murray just housed him, you know, in the conference finals. So I feel like that's a situation where it's like if the price is right, you know, and then come to an agreement that works well for both parties. Like he definitely was an upgrade over what the Lakers had a guard before that. And it's not saying a whole lot, but like he was. So I think that's something. Um, I look at a guy like Dennis Schroeder. I think he comes back. I mean, he definitely, you know, I wasn't someone you want to rely on like they did in the conference finals against Denver, of course, but for the vet minimum, like, he played well in all season. He was a really good spark, you know, defensive point of attack, you know, being able to put points up in a bit, being able to, to generate pressure at the rim. Like he really did a good job this season. So I feel like he's in the middle range. Um, and then the guys I don't think are going to be brought back that I think are more going to be like trade chips are like Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba. Um, you want to Bamba? Sorry. Um, but like with those two, like, I don't know. They just like Bamba didn't play all in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Um, Beasley did, but you almost wish he didn't, just how effective he was. Um, and I feel like those two, like with their contracts, um, you can maybe kind of ask around and look for some targets and and see like who are available. So like for me, I, I don't know. I'm looking at guys like I feel like this team, more guys who can create off the dribble would be nice in my mind, like where it's not a whole lot of pressure on LeBron. And we saw that with his foot injury and him playing more traditional forward than we've seen, like during this postseason, it was a lot on D'Lo, Austin Reeves. And Austin Reeves, I like to swing between both sides, but I don't think he's like a pure point guard in that way. D'Lo can definitely be like overmatched. Dennis Schroeder, you know, it just kind of showed the weaknesses, I think, of the Lakers guards not having that one set player. So I'd look at guys, maybe, I don't know, he's kind of expensive and definitely like just got retained i think but like a bogdan bogdanovich is someone i look at i don't know maybe a colin Sexton. i don't really like the trade targets for that but a better fit in terms of some juice off the dribble can you you know put points up in a little bit kind of release some pressure off of the lakers stars can you dribble maybe you search back and see what's going on with buddy hill <laughs> you know like maybe we, we, we try that again you know what i mean um you could look at Bozan Bogdanovich. You know, they were kind of kicking the can on him in Detroit last year. Maybe that's something. Alec Burks is still in Detroit. He's on an affordable deal. Um, he's a really good three-point shooter. And we saw him with the Knicks and with the Pistons some that he can handle the ball a little bit. So I would look at guys like that. Um, defenders, I, I'm not going to lie. I like the Lakers defense. Um, I think they did a really good job in the postseason. I think they did a really good job for most of the year. I do not think that, you know, acquiring a defender just for having a defender's sake and, and giving up some offensive talent at that end is is in good in good wisdom, I guess. But those are just some of the targets I would consider um, if I'm looking at Beasley and Bamba together um, and just trying to see, like, what shakes loose. Yeah, so I Stone, I'll throw this to you in a second, but I, I will say quickly that um, Bamba and Beasley, if you fully guaranteed them both, would, would combine for, you know, basically 27 million i believe like the general trade rules is that there's kind of like a 
five million like middle area it it doesn't look like they oh they actually do have some trade exceptions that get them up a little more so basically you can kind of get up to like around 30 million so i'll i'll spend some time looking to see if there's any guards in that area who make sense but stone is there anyone off the top of your head who who you like like as a potential trade target for the for the lakers here yeah uh just like real quick before I get into all the trade targets, just how I evaluate the team and like how they should go about, you know, what positions to uh, really hone in on. Um, For me, I think uh, definitely look to get Rui and Reeves back. Um, Rui, I get skeptical with anything over like 20 million. I'd be a little more skeptical of, but I don't think that's really going to be hopefully his market. Hopefully we can get him back for like, 10 to 15 million annually is, is the hope. Um, I think so. So him and Reeves, I agree. Uh, try and bring back. Uh, I think a lot of these guys, the issue is they're free agents. And like, I liked Lonnie Walker a lot actually in the playoffs, but he was out of the regular season rotation. So like his interest in coming back is probably going to be diminished a bit. Um, I think Schroeder might move on if he gets paid more than we can afford. Um, I think there might be a team out there that is like, oh, he's a pretty solid backup and maybe he gets seven or eight million instead of like five million. Um, so there, there's a couple of guys like I think, you know, you have to look at as potentially being gone um, and, and and look for replacements. Uh, D'Lo, to me, I would not bring back because as much as I loved him in the regular season, I think the way the Lakers use him, especially in the playoffs, gets exploited where uh Dilo is his best attribute to me is his passing the processing isn't always there but the passing is really really nice uh and the Lakers use him a lot more as um a scorer uh they they try and use him more as a scorer uh and if his shots aren't going in um the defense is is pretty abysmal um so if the shots are not going in it you lose a lot of what the value of Dilo is because you're not really using that that passing uh, in the Lakers offense, the way that he likes to is, which is more as like a primary initiator. Um, the other thing too, is like with Beasley uh, and Bamba, I don't think Bamba is a very good player. Um, I, I'm not a fan of him, but if guaranteeing his money means, you know, trade is on the horizon, I'd do it. Same thing with Beasley. Um, if Beasley's shots aren't going in, he's not really doing much else on the court. Um, he's He's been pretty bad defensively. And I think, uh, even though he's like really quick with the ball in his hands, we just don't really use him in that way. So for what how the Lakers use some of these guys, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to bring them back to me. Um, guys, I'm looking at, uh, I'm pretty interested on Fred Van Vliet. Uh, if it's a short term deal, um, if we can do like a double sign in trade and and get him from the Raptors, I'd be really in on that. Uh, if it's like a one or two year type deal, um, I think continuity does matter. i wouldn't have your hopes up that high if fred van fleet <laughs> is getting signed and traded it is probably for a four-year deal just if he's getting anything less than the max which the lakers would have to do he's probably getting good money or yeah, at least good good length i should say sorry that's the concern um uh, and why i'm you know uh, there's other names though so don't fret brace um i think uh, another guy I really like is gary trent jr um if there's a sign in trade you had, get him around like 20 million a year. I'd be in on that. Uh, I think he does provide a level of shooting and defense. Uh, I agree with Corbin. I do like our defense as a team defense, as a, as individual defenders, I think we tend to get exploited or we tended to get exploited defensively um, where a lot of it was hoping AD can clean up mistakes at the rim uh, because some of our point of attack wasn't up to par. And I think Gary Trent can do more of that for us. So I'd be in on him, and he does provide a level of shooting. Um, th- so to me, like the big thing is is figure out how you can use um, D'Lo as a trade chip, uh, and, and maybe bring in like a, one really solid player, uh, and then use the money from uh, Bamba and um, Beasley to to figure out how to get maybe like two more really solid players. Uh, keep the core of LeBron AD. Re and Reeves, um, and, and hopefully a couple other guys like Lonnie and, and Schroeder if things go our way. But um, my my general consensus is go for switch things up with D'Lo, um, 
Beasley and Bamba and see what those three can get you. So I want to hear Corbin. I want to hear your opinions on a couple names because uh, I think a strategy for the Lakers could be to buy low on some guys who mm-hmm. might only be worth you know like two salary filler contracts on the seventeenth pick, who are high upside and low downside, and a couple of those guys, Gordon Hayward is probably cooked. I I, I feel like his knee, his whole body just feels like it's probably gone. But conceptually. I love that fit. As a secondary ball handler who can space the floor, um, can kind of push LeBron to the four full time, um, and and kind of fit into the scheme defensively. I would point out Chris Paul as well. I, I think that there's a world where the uh, the Suns are looking to move on, but they're going to guarantee his contract because paying him fifteen million dollars to be away seems like a waste for them. Kyle Lowry is a guy for me because he uh the heat are probably gonna have to move off of someone in order to um you know open up the the space to re-sign vincent and Struess or at least one of them um and in that same vein maybe a duncan robinson if you're looking for like a lower level type trade um and then the last one i have here is demar Derozan, who i believe almost teamed up with these guys before and ended up you know something fell through but the bulls are like man, this team is just really shitty. Let's get another mid-round pick and, and go from there. Now, DeMar DeRozan might be worth more than that, but those are the five names that stand out to me as like, you could probably package, you know, those two guys that we mentioned, the 17th pick, and maybe even get like like one of those guys and some change, like another, like a future protected first or, you know, a first later in this draft. Like if you're talking about um, like the, well, the Suns have like the 51st pick or something, but, you know, figure something out. Like, that's kind of what I would be looking at. Corbin, do any of those names stand out to you as worthwhile, or would you be pretty upset with all of those guys? I mean, you know, were it like we're doing this like this time, like last offseason, I'd be a lot higher on all of those names. Um, unfortunately, no, I'm not. I think the only one I'd probably be cool with is Damar. And that's because I do see some value as him being a guy who can play you know, and still be like an offensive hub when, you know, inevitably LeBron or AD are down. You know what I mean? As someone who can, you know, create offense in a pinch, you know, on second side action or something when, again, you know, LeBron, AD either injured or there's, you know, a, a congested floor in the, state, in the sense of, you know, a lot of defensive focus on those two and DeMar being able to make something out of nothing. Um, but at the same time, even with that, like we know it struggles from three. We know it struggles a defender. Um like it's not a perfect match, but at this point, I, I kind of get where you're going with it in terms of like there's not really a perfect match kind of out there per se. Um, but yeah, Lowry and and Paul, I like them, like really, you know, veterans and character guys and all of that, but they both faded significantly, in my opinion, this season. Like Lowry had a nice game one of the finals yesterday, like shout out to him for that. Um, but like Paul had large, you know, moments this season when he wasn't battling injuries and he was just kind of just ineffective. Um, Larry, same thing when he wasn't battling injuries, just looked ineffective. Both those guys are, you know, 37 going into their age 38 season or no, I'm sorry. Larry's 37, Chris Paul's 38. I just don't know if we want to try to redo a 2022 Lakers team, you know, with guys that like, you know, they were in a Lakers jersey. It went a trivia challenge in a couple of years, you know, um, but maybe not a whole lot of games, but no, I, I get it. I think that, it's weird. Those guys in my mind will be upgrades over Beasley and Bamba, but only because Beasley and Bamba just weren't very good um, as Lakers. I, I actually do have a lot more optimism in Beasley, but the problem is like Stone said it best. If Beasley's not shooting like and, and actually making the shots, um, what is he doing? You know, and Bamba, I mean, listen, I, I love saying Bamba, but that's about it. Like we didn't really see a whole lot in theory. The guy is nice, but he's been in theory since draft. Like, you know, what he could be as like a rim defender and a three-point shooter. And he's had some of both at parts, but not together for an extended period of time. So yeah, to answer your question in the long way that I do, um, I guess I would take any of the options if I absolutely had to. Um, but if I had a choice, I probably wouldn't do any of them except for DeRozan. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all fair. Let's just start with the 17th pick. I, I don't think there's a ton of, of latitude for this team to move up and down unless they're moving down for one of the guys I kind of mentioned or something similar in that mold. Let's talk about guys we like. Corbin, I know you're a draft guy, you're you're a real hooper. Stan, let's who who are your who are your like ideal fits here at 17? The guys who'd be ecstatic if the the Lakers were to grab. 
I'm about to say, let's get spicy. I'm with it. I'm definitely on the the get buckets crew here. Um, and it's interesting because like all these guys, I'm not going to tell you where I have them mocked at the beginning of the year, but I've been, you know, looking, doing my research and looking at mock drafts and for my own consensus and all of that. And a lot of the guys I like might actually be in this range. So I'm just going to name them all. I guess we can kind of like talk about them in there. Um, but this is in order of like who I'd like the best and then like to who I'd like the least for different reasons. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but um like Bryce Sensabaugh, um, I like a Derek Whitehead in that area. Um, guys who I don't think would be there and would be question marks if they were, but I'd still take a look at would be like Keontae George or Nick Smith. Um, Chris Murray is a guy that if he's potentially there, I'm interested. Um, of course, you know, you got your Jordan Hawkins and, and Jet Howard kind of guys. And then Kobe Bufkin. Um, so that's the group I have in terms of like – Picks I, I, players I'd be looking at at 17. And again, you're trying to get one or several of, in my mind, you know, shooting, scoring, size slash length or versatility in one of those. If I can get three, great, not looking ideal here. But if I can get like two out of three, um, I'm not mad at it. So those those are some of the players I'm looking at. Stone, is there anyone else you had or, or do you just kind of want to wax poetic on some of those names and how you think they'd fit with the Lakers? Yeah, Um I my I have the, all of my names are in that list of Corbin. It's just a shorter list. Um, so I think uh, Nick Smith and Bryce Sensabar are my two top targets for this team. Um, personally, like if I got one of those, I'd be ecstatic as a Lakers fan. Um, I think both of them uh, and all of the guys I'm about to name are guards too. And it's not because I think that like we should target a guard they just happen to be the best players in my opinion that might be in this range um and i also think that for the lakers specifically we shouldn't be um target like fit shouldn't matter that much because i think your real building blocks are lebron and ad and pretty much anybody you pick is gonna fit with them so it doesn't make sense to like target a specific position um, so yeah, Nick Smith and Bryce Sensabaugh would, would definitely be the top of my list. The other two guys I'd be really interested in would be, uh, Kobe Bufkin and then Brandon Podziemski. Those are the two guys I think at 17, um, you know, I'd still be really, really happy getting, um, I think both of them, uh, are really solid guards. Um, and the other thing is most rookies are going to be bad their first year. Like that's just how it is. Um, if you're drafting for a contributor for the Lakers, uh, I think you're drafting wrong um, because I don't think you should be expecting that out of your 17th pick. Uh, at the same time, I think it is uh, an opportunity to build um, somewhat of a future after LeBron and AD. Uh, Corbin mentioned continuity. Uh, I think you could start doing some of that now with with picks uh, in this draft and, and other young guys that you might acquire in the future. Um, and I think uh, unless there's like a really a star trade for me, I'd be looking to keep 17. Um, uh, you're not going to get a star for 17, but like used in a package in some way. Um, if, if that's not on the table in any way, shape or form, uh, I'd be fine with just keeping 17 and drafting a, a nice young guy to to grow and build with this team. Yeah. And and all those names you mentioned, by the way, Podziemski, I love I think that's a great fit. I we did a mock draft with Corbin like super early in the year and I drafted mm-hmm. him like I want to say like 20th or 21st or something and Corbin had no idea who he was so I was very <laughs> proud of myself at that moment well done um but there's there's like I think when you guys have put together this list one of these guys is going to be there right like at least one of these guys is going to be there I would guess multiple. I think Bryce Sensabaugh is definitely going to be here. To me, he's the easy best fit. And you're right. Like, Stone, you're probably not getting someone who is going to contribute to, like, a championship team in terms of winning in that way. But you can get someone who can help fill a role early on. Like, like there's very few positive rookies, but there are guys who can at least eat some minutes in a competitive game and not, you know, be completely out of place. Sensabaugh, at the very least, can shoot. Whitehead is probably, like, his whole thing is he has to get healthy, but, like, can probably get there. You know, George, I'm lower on. Nick Smith is going to take some time, but I, I think could be really good long-term. Podziemski is someone who I think really could contribute early. Um, are you drafting them for that? No, but there is, like, some benefit there. Let's get negative, Corbin. I know this is hard for you. Uh, you're a positive guy, but is there anyone the Lakers could draft here at 17 that you would be pretty upset with? So, 
this is gonna go against the grain i mean i get that um it's actually some of the names i put in the list of like who i would look at um i just like like i'm not and i i, I get both these guys i get the value that they would bring to the lakers i get why you would kind of want them um and that's like jordan hawkins and judd howard like they're shooters they're really good two of the best in the class right jordan hawkins off movement play off the, with, with the national champion like judd howard all year really saw a guy i love what they bring there um i'm just not very high on i mean and mind you most of these guys that are we bringing up are, are not defensive stalwarts at all right um and, and hawkins and howard definitely don't qualify as such but also they don't bring in my mind what a sensible or a whitehead would where yeah yeah or hawkins and howard better shooters than sensible and whitehead I, I would say so whitehead was like really good last year but like i would say so at the same time i think this upside to whitehead creating his own shot i know that bryce sensible can do that we've already seen some of that and like if hawkins isn't making shots um and the gravity that you know you get for a guy who can shoot isn't like extraordinary i, I just don't know what he's doing um that's my question and then jet howard like same thing i guess i mean there's like a little bit more he can do but like similar offensive concerns if he's not doing the one thing he's very very good at doing like there's not really a whole lot of versatility in that um and so in my mind you're then getting a player who like i'm not comparing these guys at all but basically like i mentioned earlier malik beasley and i'm not again you're a shooter like that's the role in just the base level term like that's what you do but if you're not doing that like yeah you don't have to be a good defender and you're not you don't have to be like a good pass or anything you're not but then like what are you bringing you know, to a team that can't really afford to have a whole lot of um I don't I don't know. I don't want to say like okay, don't that can't afford to have a lot of positions in theory. There you go. Like it needs to be like your ideal outcome, like what can you bring? Like here's the thing that like, you know, the 99th percentile, you will be able to like stand and do that. And Hawkins and Howard, if the Lakers do get them, I understand the theory, I get the reasoning, and I could very well be wrong. It will be the first time. Um, but in my mind, there's just more upside between some of the other guys and not only being able to bring some of the shooting, like can't leave them open, but also, you know, attack off a closeout a little bit more and maybe put together, you know, a, a crucial stint like um, like we had Lonnie Walker do. Like, are you getting a Lonnie Walker game out of a Hawkins and Howard? It's very possible. But like what Lonnie Walker did in addition to making his shots was creating shots for himself when you had defensive attention on LeBron AD. And that's the kind of players I'm looking at in this position. Yeah, there, there's a few guys. I agree with both those picks. Um, I'd be pretty upset uh, with both of them, uh, even though it's going to sound weird to a lot of people because I know most people have them, you know, top 20. <laughs> uh, I just don't – I'm much lower on them. Um, uh, Jalen Hitchafino, I'd be pretty upset if we took. Um, I just don't view him as the in the same way that a lot of people do. Uh, I think he's a really good connective passer. I think he can be a decent spot up shooter. I, I don't think he. I, I think if we did draft him too, we'd probably be using him very similarly to D'Angelo Russell, which again mitigates a lot of the passing equity that he provides. Um, a lively, I would not be a fan of here. I wouldn't hate it actually, but I, I wouldn't love it because I feel like the process of it would be we need a backup center. Uh, and we we were extremely desperate for one all season um, and trying to fill that just by taking Lively with the 17th pick when there's probably better players available. Uh, I'd be very out on that sort of process of thinking. Um, and then just a few, like, to me, more projecty guys. Uh, I would not be happy if we took Gigi Jackson, uh, Ryan Repair, or, or Bilal Kalabuli. Um, I think... And Bilal might even, you know, probably be gone before we get to him. But um, all those three guys, to me, require multiple years of, um, like, a lot of development. And I think uh, we haven't seen the Lakers really stick with that in a long, long time. Um, we've drafted young guys before, but a lot of times we're, we're moving on for them before we actually see the development through. Uh, and, and trying to stick with that with these guys, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So... Um, those three projects, Lively and, and Shafino, are, are probably my uh, – I would not be happy with those guys. Yeah, I, and I don't really have anyone to add. And, uh, you know, I don't love to be negative, so we'll just move on to the 47th pick. This is a pick I feel like they're going to make. The one thing that this, that this you know, front office has consistently done well is kind of hit on second round or late first picks. And I think that's important to know, and I, I think they're going to make this pick – it's hard to have like 
bad picks in the 40s and 50s. So we'll just focus on the good. Corbin, who are some guys in this range that you would really like to see in Lakers gold? I was saying one guy that I would be really happy to see in Lakers uniform would be Ricky Council. Um, At that pick, I just think his ability to create, again, offense and be like a possible kind of, I don't want to say X factor because that doesn't, that's not what I'm looking at, but the upside I think that he has in his ability to generate free throws and get to the basket and, you know, I guess get buckets, you know, where I'm at on that. Like I'm really on him, especially he's available there. Don't like his jump shot out after the mid range. Um, Y'all have talked about it. I mean, we've seen it. He has like that really smooth mid range Jay. And then his three point shot looks a lot like mine um, from three. But the problem is that like, I'm not in the NBA or trying to be. So like, you know, a little bit of a difference there. Um, And shout out to like Mark Garcia, who like, does a lot of Lakers scouting stuff um, and put like a really good piece. I think it was today actually about like the 47th pick and Ricky council was on his list. And I was really happy to see that because I was considering myself more of the oddball on these draft guys. Um, another guy I'd look at would be a, a Turquavion Smith um, as a player with some upside there. Um, a Julian Strother would be okay. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be too high with him. I mean, I get, you know, what he brings physical attributes wise and some defense, um, but he'd be a guy. Um, and then the last one's like truly a wild card. He could definitely be there. Um, Amani Bates. I just feel like, hey, like, you know, you know what he's good at. Um, you know what he's not good at. But like, if he's around there, and again, Lakers have done a really good job, like you said, Bryce, of like evaluating talent deep in the second round and seeing if it's a good fit and, and what they bring to the table. But like, he will be the wild card that I wish the Lakers had went with last year. Um, well, not that player but like that type of player um where don't get me wrong like i like max christie um and really think he's a solid player and really think that he could be um i don't know a good good fit to a team down the line maybe give me a viable contributor for the lakers down the line but i remember last year being like very 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 set on Jaden hardy thank you thank you like he was a guy and when he was available i was like yes like that's like the offensive, like little punch that you may be able to get. And like, he's young and all these things. And again, no disrespect, Max Christie, solid player, but like I saw some Jane Hardy games. I was like, yes, that'd been great. So like Amani Bates to me represents like that next version. They're nowhere near the same player. I totally understand that. But the same type of like, wow, like if he's in the right role, you bring him in this spot, like the upside in that role could be really well for the Lakers. Yeah. Those, those are some interesting names. Stone, where are you at with, uh, with with these type of ideal fits in the in the mid to late second, yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with Corbin. Uh, very in on Turquavion, would love that. Um, I'm I'm obviously probably the highest person on him, but I think that he does provide uh, someone to move forward with as like a really uh, that offensive punch Corbin was talking about. Um, I think could really help. And the other thing uh, with the 47th pick is uh, I I think I'd be willing to move it um if like add christy to it uh and if it gets you a couple spots if someone were to fall um in the in some world everyone falls right uh one person usually falls every draft and in a world where like grady dick or Cassan wallace falls to like the 13th pick or something if you can move up a few spots and add 47 christy and like a, a future couple seconds or something and that gets you there i don't even know if it would um, but if it would, I would, I would definitely be willing to to package all that up to get somebody I really, really like. Um, that said, the other guy for me at 47, uh, would be, uh, Charles Bediaco. Um, I mentioned it already backup center was a need for us. Um, and this far in the draft, I'm comfortable drafting for need, uh, especially when it's somebody that I project like really comfortably filling a role. Um, I think Bediaco is just a really solid backup center. Um, who can protect the rim, something that we lacked when AD was sitting, um, and can be uh, just a, a really solid role man. So um, Tur- Turk and Charles Bodiaco are the two guys I've been really clamoring for with this pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you guys like Turk, and, and, and this is about the range where I would be pretty in on, on Turk as well. I think he's a very good, solid player. I just uh, – I and, like, honestly, this is probably his range. Like, it feels like he, he was – uh, talked about much more highly um, earlier on, and, and he's kind of fallen. Um, that's I, I don't have like a, a ton more names here. Like, I, I'll, I'll shout out like I think there's a chance like 
Colby Jones might fall this far. Like, I really don't know where his range is. And, and also, like, with the second round, like, you can also, like, it's generally considered pretty easy to move up to, like, 40 and just make something happen there, too. So, like, I, I wouldn't be too... Um, I wouldn't be too stressed about having to do that. I, I, I'd point to a guy like Jalen Slauson being interesting here. I just think that he is... Um, uh, he's a, he's a really really solid player. The fit might be weird. He's not the shooter that we've kind of, we've kind of talked about shooters, but I, I do like him. And then also like maybe keep the LA boy home and bring Amari Bailey. Uh, he's not really a full spacer right now, but I find him interesting and funky. And at, at forty seven, that's like a good spot to take it. And he kind of reminds me of some of some players that that um this team has had success with before. Corbin. We like to ask all, and, and you're gonna have to be negative again. I know that's hard for you. Oh, we like to ask man. all our guests before they before we leave their worst case and best case scenarios for the off season as a whole, or the draft, or however they want to take it. Corbin, what's your worst case scenario off season for the Lakers? Um, yikes, this hurts. I would say going with the goal of running it back. Somehow, like deciding to make one or two. I, I, I overestimations on like, well, we can go without Rui Hachimura or we don't need, you know, Austerings at that price point. Like we can just get that with insert some over the hill that, you know, um, like one of those, like going with the intention of running it back and then falling short of that would be one thing for me. Um, And then just like totally misavowing the draft. Like, you know, if we are bringing back the same group, let's say you bring back D'Lo at like a crazy price range, right? Somehow you lose Rui Hachimura. Like, both of that would be like yikes to me right bring those in keep that same just great horrible energy going to the draft you know go for Derek Lively at 17 because he made a bunch of threes in the combine and like bam floor spacer you know second coming of I don't know Damian Jones right um boom and then the second round they trade the pick <laughs> like that would probably be like the worst possible outcome for me because like i don't like the process in the draft i didn't like the free agency process going in and it may or may not be motivated by money as well as it usually is for the lakers in the offseason and then you cheat yourself out of a of a chance of getting a, a really value add player in the second round that may be a fit because you were trying to duck the tax or something you know what i mean with with all that the lakers have done over the last couple of years i just don't trust that I hope that, you know, you saw this is the most success they've had since they won uh, the championship in 2020, right? Like, it took a lot of craziness to get there, but it did. It looks right. The players get along. There wasn't a lot of drama. They all want to be back. I'm not saying that you have to just say, well, we run it back. But, like, let that be more of what you're leaning towards and making, like, okay, if Dila wants too much, you're like, hey, that's that's a lot. Okay, move on. But try to come with that continuity intact. And then you let your scouting and process and selection reflect who fits the current iteration of this decently successful team. That that would be what I would want, ideally. See, there you go. I had to say what would horribly happen and then end with what I would like. Stone, end us out here with your uh, worst and best case as well, because obviously we got we to gotta get your opinions on this. Yeah, to me, the worst case would be losing Reeves and Rui in free agency. Some team out of the blue just comes in with a massive offer that we can't afford to match. Um, that would really suck losing both those guys. And then we double down and, and try and fix our problems by offering Kyrie like a four-year max um, and, and hoping that that works out for us. <laughs> I'd be very depressed if that were the case. Um, and if we like blow on our picks, if we, if we take, you know, um, if we take someone that I, I listed as like, a, I'd not be very happy with at uh, 17 and just rub all that in uh, that would be the perfect storm of just like absolute worst case Defcon, like you sound the alarms, everything is bad. Uh, best case scenario to me is um, we keep Reeves. We keep re uh, we end up getting a couple nice additions because we move on from D'Lo and a sign in trade and we um, can make, something out of Bamba and Beasley in their contracts and maybe in free agency or, or move their contracts or something. I'm not really sure. Um, and we end up <clears throat> moving 17, um, 47 and whatever other young assets or, or future picks uh, because somebody in the lottery fell a couple spots and right. And they're available at like 14 or something. And we can move up the few spots to get them uh, to get someone I really, really like. That would be my dream scenario. That's that's my best case. Yeah, 
yeah, I think that's all good. Corbin, again, we cannot thank you enough. You're an absolute legend, a pro. Everything you do is great. Let people know where they can find all your excellent work and, and let us know what you're doing for this next little bit of time. Man, I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all having me on. Appreciate you hyping me up, Bryce. Like, y'all are the best. Um, I look forward to more of this. And the work y'all do every cycle is just top tier work. So I'm glad it's getting some more attention. Love the website. Just want to give y'all some shout outs because, like, y'all are the best. Um, as far as me, um, find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, uh, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. Uh, if you're so inclined, I would appreciate that. Um, I have obviously just been getting settled from uh, my move. And obviously some tech stuff has been fun. So I'm hoping to get back into doing some draft stuff coming up here um having some folks on maybe checking in on y'all and, and and doing some work there um i'm also looking forward to um this off season well after the draft dipping back in and and i definitely want to talk to you about this later or another time but doing some more of those historical redrafts like refine the process it's been a little bit of time had a lot of fun there um and would definitely like to do that during the off season so a lot more off season ramping type things as i kind of reconfigure and get ready for you know the new season and then for swiss theory um, I've been starting this series on like front office retrospectives. Um, so we, I did one on uh, the Bob Whitsitt Blazers, um, the the Jailblazers era a couple of months ago, um, and now working on a piece about the Phil Jackson Knicks and like just breaking down what happened, what went wrong, what didn't, all of that. Um, so that's stuff to come up the pipeline here. Uh, hopefully, over the next couple months. Yeah, I, I I cannot recommend Corbin's work enough. Uh, he's a great guy, a great follow. I'm the only person on the Upside Swings podcast that has not met him in person. Someday, someday. <laughs> yes, sir. Someday. Um, but yeah, shout out Corbin. All his stuff will be linked down below. Uh, a lot of great work to read, and and his perspective is always appreciated. For Stone, I report underscore court. For Coop, well, Coop's not here, but for Coop, at Allie underscore Coop underscore Coop. I'm at Bryce Andrews 14. You can give us a like or review all that fun stuff. Check out the website. Once again, thanks to Corbin. He's at Corbin NBA. Uh, like I said, everything will be linked down below. I really recommend reading some of his work and, and listening to his podcast. Uh, my favorite my favorite uh, basketball podcast is absolutely Round Ball Ramble. Um, yeah, this has been the Ipsis Swings to be a draft podcast. We hope you're ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.